I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Don't forget, you can get in touch with us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. So here's a recap. Switzerland needs at least 258 points to win. Are you ready? Switzerland has got from the public As you know, Alessandro always said, take it away. Hi, we are Dave Ogakamagne, and you're listening to Eurotrip. I don't close any doors. I love Eurovision, I love Elisestvalen, and it will always be a part of me. That night, I found myself live on Russian state television for, for Russia's Song for Europe. I said to Joe, send BBC Teenage Life. Maybe two weeks later, I was at a press conference, and I was on Making Your Mind Up. Everyone was like, Eldar. Come, celebrate with us. The end of filming, they put honey on my face and I needed to be, you know, sexy with this honey on my face. Hi there, my name is Martin Estudal. I am the executive supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. You are listening to Eurotrip. 
Ciao. Buonasera. Buongiorno. I don't know. Definitely not buongiorno. That doesn't sound right. Hello, it's Rob here and welcome to this emergency podcast, this special edition of the Euro Trip. You heard just before the intro played there, of course, the moment that Italy won the Eurovision Song Contest. We knew then that we were heading to Italy, but we had to wait until today to find out which city will host the Eurovision Song Contest of 2022. And we are off to the beautiful city of Turin at the foot of the Alps. And over the next little while, we're going to tell you everything you need to know about that announcement. We're going to get reaction to it from inside Italy. And I'm going to catch up with Claudio again. Do you remember Claudio? He was on the Eurotrip on Wednesday. I spoke to him earlier in the week. He said probably wouldn't be long to wait until we got an announcement. Well, we have finally had it. So we'll hear from Claudio. We'll hear from Mark Lowen. And yeah, just react to what is incredibly exciting news. I've seen social media awash with people booking their B&Bs and hotels and even a few people already booking their flights for Eurovision 2022, which seems very organised. You may have noticed, it's just me today. Apologies, everybody. It's like when the Euro trip was just me back in the day ages ago. James is otherwise engaged got something important to do but we didn't know we were going to be doing this podcast today because we didn't know this announcement was coming but it is super exciting should say as well we're going to hear what martin osterdahl said about the announcement and about the city of turin too the ebu posted it on their social channels a little bit earlier on so i'll play you some of that and don't forget if you want to get in touch we are on the socials we are at eurotrip podcast on twitter on instagram and hello at eurotrippodcast.com on the email you're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Euro Trip. Well, 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 here we are then. Finally, we can look forward to where Eurovision 2022 is going to be. Eurovision 2022 has got quite the ring to it, doesn't it? I don't know if you remember, there was a podcast a while back when me and James found it incapable of saying 2022. But I think we've managed to to say it enough now that it just sort of rolls off the tongue and it sounds quite nice. Eurovision 2022. I'm going to say that a lot more in this episode, so I should probably stop saying it needlessly, shouldn't I? We're off to Turin, we're off to northern Italy, and in some sort of poetic justice, of course, we're off to a destination which is not a million miles away from the runner-up and the third-place countries of Eurovision 2021. So France and Switzerland, not far for them to travel if they want to come to Turin. And I really do believe that Turin is just going to be a massive party. It's going to be so, so good to have a truly global Eurovision again, which, fingers crossed, we are going to get next year. Now, before we get into it, did you see what I put on the Eurotrip Podcast Twitter this morning? So this was on Friday morning. I said, and no word of a lie, this is true. So at 9.54, to be exact, last night, I messaged James and I said, I'm going to book an Airbnb in Turin later, just in case, you never know. Didn't want to miss out, did I? Well, suddenly, it seems that I was prophetic. Is that the word? Could be. But also, I then did say, in brackets at the bottom of the tweet, fingers crossed we got the dates right. Didn't know the dates at that point. Didn't get the dates right, as it turned out. If you're interested, I said it was going to be the week later, but it doesn't matter. I've managed to rebook. So a lovely four-person Airbnb in northern Turin is mine. Who knows? Maybe I'll see you around. But fear not, if you're not going to Turin, if you're not going to Italy, then we will bring you all of the very best coverage live from 
Italy, which seems nuts to say given the contest is like, what, eight months away? But seven months? I'm not sure. But we will be there and we've got plenty of places across the continent to go to between now and then too. So make sure you stay tuned. But it's been brilliant to see so much reaction on social media to that announcement. And one that I've just seen, just before I uh, sat in front of the microphone here to record this podcast, came from Senate. Remember lovely Senate from Eurovision 2021 and Eurovision 2011, of course, as well. Maybe she'll be back for Eurovision 2031. That seems to be what she's uh, what she's planning. I don't know. Every 10 years, we just get Senate. It's like a Eurovision eclipse. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is that she tweeted to say, it's the moment to say it out loud. Congratulations, Torino. Even though I would have loved it to be in my hometown of Bologna, My heart is still full of joy for this beautiful contest. I'm sure about it. You'll make Italy proud on the next Eurovision. We have got so much to look forward to. As we heard Jan Smith say at the start of the episode, it's the Eurovision of pizza and Sambuca. What isn't to love? This is the Eurotrip. That's right, you're listening to this emergency episode of the Eurotrip podcast. Quite like calling it an emergency podcast. I don't know why, it just, I don't know, it just sounds sounds very sort of seat-of-the-pants exhilarating, doesn't it, for some reason? I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, it's great to have you along, and needless to say, I didn't know that I'd be sitting here recording this for you today. I didn't know we'd get the announcement today, but it's finally here after all that waiting, and I'm going to repeat it, but unfortunately, no James today, just me, but you'll have to put up with me for a little bit longer, because we've got two really important people to hear from, or three actually really important people to hear from. Uh, In a little while, we're going to hear from Mark Lowen. He's the BBC's Rome correspondent. So we'll get the reaction to the news that Turin will host Eurovision from Italy itself. In a second, we're going to get a reaction from an Italian man himself. So we're getting there. There's a lot of Italians or Italian-based content, as you would hope, on today's episode. But first, let's hear from the friend of the podcast, as of course we like to call him. It is the executive supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. It is Martin Osterdahl. And here's what he said about the news that Turin would host Eurovision a little bit earlier. Turin is the perfect host city for the 66th Eurovision Song Contest. As we saw in 2006 and the Winter Olympics, the Pala Olimpico is a perfect venue that exceeds all the requirements of an international event of this scale. And we're also delighted by the commitment, the backup, the support and the general enthusiasm of the city of Turin and all the people that work there. This will be the first Eurovision Song Contest held in Italy in 30 years. And together with host broadcaster Rai, we are determined to make it a special one. Martin Osterdahl there, Executive Supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. Who knows, hopefully Martin will pop back on the podcast between now and next year's contest. That'd be lovely, wouldn't it? But one man who you can definitely hear from is Claudio Sartorelli. You may remember, you heard from him on the Eurotrip on Wednesday, just a couple of days ago, when we were talking about where the contest could be, and the fact that we still hadn't got an announcement of where it was going to be. And you may remember that I almost forced Claudio to say that he thought that Bologna was the favourite host Eurovision. Well, we all know how that went, didn't we? Anyway, Claudio gladly agreed to pop back on today, because I wanted the reaction of a full-blooded Italian male to that news. So here's Claudio Sartarelli 
from the Italian Eurovision news site Eurovision IN, also the Buenos Aires Eurovision podcast, and I asked for his immediate reaction. I'm actually very happy. I couldn't say earlier, but I was rooting for Torino, which in a in a way it's weird because I'm from Milan, so <laughs> I was kind of rooting for the wrong team. So, I mean, somehow, but well, I'm very happy. I'm very happy because the city government really believed in this project since day one. Uh, they built a very strong dossier about their uh, their bid. So um, I'm really impressed and very happy. And you've just said it there, but are you happy because they're the ones that are most invested in, in Eurovision? Because when we spoke earlier in the week, you said, especially about Milan, that they weren't that fussed and it was as if they'd bid because they felt that they had to. Yeah, um, I still think so. I mean, what I what I see here for Torino is that they are very much committed to the project and have been working very hard to uh, provide all details. Of course, they had a fantastic venue, but that that was not enough. I mean, the whole project itself, it's it's very well done. And they can base themselves on, on other big events that they had recently. I mean, yes, we are talking about Winter Olympics uh, 2006, but we have also the ATP finals that will be in town for the next five years. And they presented recently the even the program for the uh, hospitality village. So they are they know what they're doing. As far as the location of Turin within Italy as well, does that make a lot of sense? Because, of course, it's very close to actually the two countries that came close to, to winning Eurovision as well. It's yeah, close that's, to, that's, to France and Switzerland. Yeah, I was thinking about that as well. I mean, if you look at the map, it's really, I would say, half an hour away from the border from, from France. And from Switzerland as well, it's, it's actually quite close. You can get there in a couple of hours. Now, when we spoke earlier in the week, you said that one of the concerns about Turin was the press centre, potentially. At the time that me and you were speaking, we don't know what the plans are for the press centre. But do you have any, any thoughts on what they, they might do? Because I know you've been studying plans for the, for the ATP tennis finals. Yes, um, it could be that it's actually a kind of a temporary structure next to the uh, Paralimpico, so there will be something very close by. It could be that it's uh, another building in the neighborhood, or it can be something a bit more far away that we don't know, and that's the biggest fear, because, well, we are not used to a press center that far away from the venue since, I guess, 2008. So we shall see in the next few days what the plans are. When we spoke, we were, me and you, maybe I put these words into your mouth that, that Bologna may be the favourite to, to host the Eurovision Song Contest in 2022. Do you think in Bologna, I don't know whether you've, you've read any reaction, in Bologna they must be, they must be really sad not to, not to have, have been chosen? Curious enough, not that much. I mean, they don't mind. And apparently there was kind of a general thing from fans almost everywhere in Italy that they were happy that Milan didn't win. And why so? Why, why so happy that Milan didn't win? Um, it would be pretty much the same feeling as London is hosting something in the UK, that you expect that everything happens there, and for once, it doesn't. That makes sense. No, that, that makes complete sense. But we did have a fake announcement earlier in the week, didn't we, that Bologna were going to host it? Yes. So someone made fun of us and posted something on a, on a fake account that was closed basically within the same day. And most of media and even one of the national um, of the national news actually fell for that, and they decided to give the info to the general public. That was pretty much hilarious. 
But we know it's not fake news. It's going to Turin. Turin 2022, of course, on the 10th, 12th and 14th of May. Claudio, I assume that you'll be there? Well, you can count on that. And what else are you looking forward to, especially as, as we run up? Are you just looking forward to, to everything that we're going to learn about Turin and, and their, their candidacy? Because, of course, the Euro Club as well, that's the most important thing. Yes. So we don't know yet about the Euro Club. We don't know what the COVID situation of obviously will be next year. So that's pretty difficult to predict. Uh, what I'm curious about is, of course, uh, the stage and um, to know who the hosts will be, because there are lots of rumors as well. A couple of fake news that happened during this week as well. So that's going to be the hot topic for Italian public in the next few weeks and months. I'm pretty sure about it. I'm pleased that you've mentioned the host. That will be my last question to you. Is it going to be Mika, yes or no? Um, well, if it depends on me, no, but it's difficult to say. I mean, he never had a very um, clear relationship towards Eurovision, actually often pretty much offensive, thinking that Eurovision songs were not that good, that the show was a bit kitsch. But I mean, I can't say anything. He was, uh, I mean, he grew up in France and that's, pretty much a general uh, belief over there that everything is kitsch. So um, that was pretty much predictable. But again, I don't know yet if he will be somehow involved in the, uh, in the hosting team or not. The only name we know so far is Alessandro Catalan. He used to work for MTV Europe, well, MTV Italy. So he has quite knowledge uh, on, on music. He has experience of those big events and he can manage uh, to, to host in English. That's the most important thing. And of course, I said last question. This is my last question. We await to find out who will be the executive producer of the contest and who will be the, the producers of the, of the team as well. Because, of course, we spoke to Suits of Acker on our podcast many times in the run-up to, to Rotterdam. Do you think Rye will be happy to take this on themselves? Or do you think they'll be looking for support from elsewhere, as we saw, for example, in, in Israel in 2019? Um, I'm not sure, but... There was a general feeling already back in May that Wright wanted to make it as Italian as they can. So they will probably try to, to run, let's say, the, I mean, to drive the machine themselves. They might have some help from the Swedish production as usual, but I'm not so sure that it will be so, um, I mean, such presence as we, as we have seen, for instance, in 2017 in, uh, in Ukraine. Brilliant. Well, Claudio, we've got so much to look forward to. It's great to have you on. We've had you on twice in a week, and I'm sure we'll speak to you again before the contest in May. So we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Ciao. This is the Euro Trip. Claudio Sortarelli there, one of the team over at Eurovision in the Italian Eurovision news site. It's Rob here with this special. I'm going to say it again, emergency episode of the Eurotrip podcast as we find out that Turin will be hosting Eurovision 2022. Now we're going to hear from Mark Lowen shortly. He's the BBC's Rome correspondent. But first, what a few Turin facts. Yeah, why not? These may be useful if you're going to Turin. They may not be. Maybe you're just going to sit there and take it all in because you can't be bothered to skip on your podcast app because maybe your phone's in your pocket and you've taken yourself for a walk. I don't know. Anyway, uh, some Turin facts here I've got for you. Uh, The University of Turin, founded in 1404. Long time ago, that. Uh, There are two major rivers in Turin, the Po and the Dora. Quite enjoy a river named after an old woman, the Dora. 
Enjoy that. Also, it was founded in pre-Roman times. Of course, we all know, hosted the 2006 Winter Olympic Games, the venue of this year's Eurovision, the concert hall of Eurovision 2022, of course, playing a big part in the 2006 Winter Olympics. It was built for the 2006 Winter Olympics. And also, of course, the incredible movie, The Italian Job. It was filmed in Turin. I think that's probably just about enough of that, isn't it? Don't forget, if you want to get in touch, we are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and on Instagram. And, of course, we will be back on Wednesday with another edition of the Eurotrip. But let's hear from Mark Lowen. He is the BBC's Rome correspondent. He is a Eurovision fan, and he's been living in Italy for the last couple of years. Of course, in his role, he covers news throughout the country. So who better to have a chat to? And I started by asking him, him what the response had been in Italy to this morning's news. I think there was kind of expectation that Turin was the front runner. I mean, there were a host of other cities that were trying for it. Rome was widely seen to have put in a bit of a dud application uh, with a venue that wasn't suited. And there was a lot of criticism, actually, the outgoing mayor of Rome, that she didn't put in a better application uh, because it could have been quite a great opportunity for Rome to shine a bit on the international stage again. Uh, and to welcome in a lot of uh, international visitors. But uh, it didn't come to Rome. It's, con- it's gone to Turin. And, uh, you know, Turin has a, has a very, um, it, I think it's probably a popular choice in terms of its, its, its very respected city within Italy. So it's a wealthy city. It's a very industrial city, a uh, very beautiful city as well. But it's kind of the, one of those cities that is, you know, it, this is a country that is often quite divided. There is sort of resentment from the south to the north. There's sort of dislike from the north to the south by, along many, many lines. But Turin is one of those cities that kind of has, I suppose, a sort of universal respect. And, um, and it's got a nice nightlife, good nightlife by all accounts. Uh, so I'm sure, it'll be, I'm sure it'll be a success. You, of course have been the room correspondent I think for the last couple of years so you have done some some travel understandably around Italy but I understand you've never actually been to Turin in all of that time. I haven't and I've heard great things about it um uh, I've got friends who who who've, who live there and and tell, tell me about its beauty it was uh, interestingly it was actually the first capital of a united Italy um when Italy became the kingdom of Italy in 1861 after the unification for about four years Turin was its capital because there were still the papal states around Rome, which weren't coming into the uh, the unified country. So um, the the capital only moved to Rome in the in the um, in the eighteen seventies. So uh, so Turin has got this very important his- history. It's also the birthplace of Fiat and Alfa Romeo. So you know you see all those cute little sort of. Uh, Fiat um, Cinquecentos and the, you know, the smart Alfa Romeos everywhere. Uh, it was the birthplace of Rai, the Italian national broadcaster. Uh, so kind of, you know, useful for them as the host broadcaster of Eurovision. And um, it was, of course, the birth, it was the ho- host of the Winter Olympics in, in 2006. So, you know, it's, it's, it's well known to people, I think, internationally, and, um, but, you know, not nearly as well known as obviously Rome and Milan. So I think that both for those of us who haven't yet been there living here in Italy and for those people coming from abroad, it will be, it'll be a nice discovery. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the different vibe between the north of Italy and the south of Italy? In your role, you'll, you'll have sort of dived into that a little bit more. And I think that's very interesting, especially in terms of how countries are often very different, even geographically, because Turin, of course, you know, it's, it's the foot of the Alps, basically, isn't it? Yeah, I think it was uh, it was the Austrian foreign minister in the in the early 19th century who who said Italy is a geographical expression. Uh, 
Um, this is a country that has often been very, very split. I mean, of course, it was divided until it was unified in the in the 19th century, but um, uh, it, the unification started in the north. So the south was the last part of the country uh, beyond Rome, uh, apart from Rome, to 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 come into to Italy. And and there's always been a kind of separatist movement in the north um, because the north is much wealthier much more developed, much more industrialized. And really, when you travel the length of the boot of Italy uh, from the south, from Sicily or from Calabria in the south, up to the north, to Lombardy or to Piedmont in, in English, whose capital is Turin, it feels often like uh, two different countries. There is a lot of, there are a lot of, uh, there's a lot of diversity in language. Uh, there are a lot of regional uh, languages, about 35 different regional languages in Italy. And in Piedmont, for example, or in Lombardy or in Sicily or in Campania around Naples, you still find a lot of people who speak the local language. Um, the food is very, very, very diverse. And then there is a kind of, I suppose, the, the Southerners would, would talk about it as Northern snobbery towards them because the, the, the Southerners were, were, have always been painted by kind of, in, in, a, in a stereotypical way as lazy, dirty, um, uh, poor, uh, whereas the um, Southerners would uh, would would talk about the Northerners as being kind of um, not not Italian really uh, and you know and snobbish and pretentious. So so uh, th there's a lot that divides this country. I think football is what has helped unite it, and it brought, uh, Italy's footballing success, not not least the Euro Euros this year and the coronavirus actually um in, a, in a brought italians together into that sort of sense of solidarity beneath the italian flag and that sense of you know we're all in it together and italian suffering so i think the sense of italian unity has grown certainly in the last few years and last couple of decades but you will still in turin um find people who uh feel that you know the north of italy should secede and they feel nothing really in uh, that, that, that connects them particularly, particularly with the with the with the south of Italy. You mentioned that the European Football Championships there, and of course Italy's success earlier on this year hosting Eurovision will almost cap an incredible twelve months for Italy, which started with them winning the song contest. You know, we talk the Eurovision Song Contest, Manishkin winning. Then we had the European Football Championships, and then an incredible Olympic Games for Italy as well. So it must have been brilliant to be in your role in a country that has had so much success in quite a short period of time. And that after a really devastating year, because remember, of course, Italy was the first country in the West to be overwhelmed by the pandemic. And it was the first in the world to impose a national lockdown. So there was a feeling that uh, Italy had become the unlikely global epicenter. Um, and it was just devastating here for the first few months, certainly, of the pandemic. Um, and, uh, and then to kind of have this uh, re renaissance almost with uh, Eurovision, first of all, then the Euros. And then, as you, talk, as you, as you mentioned, the, the Olympic success with, with 10 goals and, and 40 medals, I think it was the, 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 best, um, the, the best result ever for Italy, winning the 100 metres, for example. It, it has been a huge, huge success. And, and I think that that has really lifted spirits here. And of course, now Maneskin has kind of rocketed Italy back into Eurovision success. And so now everybody's talking about it. But, you know, it's not like you kind of meet a lot of Italians who say, oh, I grew up watching Eurovision. Unlike, you know, 
Irish, French, others. Just like Italy has had this sort of sporting success to kind of revive it after after coronavirus, I think Italy's Eurovision success might revive Eurovision interest here in a country that for for often uh, for, for a long time was kind of switched uh, sort of switched out from it. I know, Mark. Of course, you you have been to a, a Eurovision or two in the past. I think you went to to Lisbon in 2018. Which, which others have you been to, or was it just Lisbon? Just Lisbon, uh, because my uh, husband is um, the world's greatest uh, Eurovision fan, and I think he, I would I would I would quite happily put him up to for for a uh, a Eurovision quiz with any any of you any of you guys, uh, and I'm sure he would do very very well. And he actually uh, was on the presenting team in Portugal uh, in uh, when, when Portugal hosted it. So uh, yeah, I went and and I watched it, and I went with I was based in Istanbul at the time, and I went over with some Turkish friends. Uh, and of course, Turkey uh, has withdrawn sadly over the last few years, uh, but you know there's still quite a decent following in Turkey. Uh, and we had a we had a blast. It was just fantastic. Um, so yeah, I'm Turin will be my second Eurovision, and uh, the first one that I will cover as a journalist, and I'm really looking forward to it. How exciting is that as a prospect, as a journalist, that you get to that you do get to cover Eurovision in that way, in, in a way that you that you haven't before? Uh, I said to my other half once that uh, one of the things I really wanted to do as a foreign correspondent was to cover the Eurovision Song Contest, just because I think even though I look, I didn't grow up as the as the biggest you know a uh, biggest fan of it. I used to watch it, uh, but I wasn't sort of a kind of absolute Eurovision freak freak as he is. Uh, but uh, but I but I do like it, uh, and I and I and I and I have grown to like it going to really love it actually and I, and I and we we have a lot of fun now watching it and I just think that the the spirit is so great and um and I think as a you know as a as a, as a reporter covering it it's going to be super fun and making it a distinctive coverage I think here in Italy and introducing people to to Turin and uh, just being in the heart of the party be, will be a lot of fun and um uh, yeah I can't wait it's going to be it's going to be great and 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 I think also uh, Eurovision is important for it's one of those topics that is important for our the BBC often talks about sort of our underserved audiences uh you know youth audiences um uh women uh you know people who who don't care so much about kind of the the stiffer topics that we often cover you know Eurovision is something that brings people together it is. It's got huge popularity. It has uh, a lot of musical importance now, with 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 songs really uh, hitting the international stage. Manaskin being being a great example of that. So I think that you know it's an important thing that we cover, and uh, and I want to do it well. And just finally, Mark, before I let you go, last year as we were building up to Rotterdam, we brought our listeners a Dutch word every week. So we had different guests on from the city of Rotterdam who, who brought us a different word every week that they thought people who were either going or were going to watch the contest should know about. Is there an Italian word that you can leave us with that you think will be incredibly useful that listeners to this podcast might end up finding themselves using if they're in Turin in May? Probably it's a word that you will all know anyway, uh, which is la festa, which is party. Um, and I think that um, Eurovision is going to be una grande festa. And the Italians like to party. And uh, I hope that everybody listening will, uh, will, have, will have a great time there and will, will have a uh, una festa that they will remember. Thanks, Mark. Really appreciate it. And thank you for coming on. Pleasure. Cheers. This is the Euro Trip. Thank you very much to the BBC's Mark Lowen there, their Rome correspondent. Something tells me I'll probably be bothering his inbox again between now and next May. 
I don't know whether he'll come back on. I hope he will. He seems like a very, very nice man. Uh, fun fact about Mark that you might not know. Uh, he helped me with a university essay in about 2012. I was a young student. I sent him an email. I said, Mark, can you help me with my essay about the Balkans? At the time, he was the Balkan correspondent. I didn't just randomly send the BBC's Rome correspondent a message about the Balkans. Anyway, I... I uh, I'm going off track. But you know what I mean. I sent him an email and he was kind enough to reply. So what a lovely man. And here here we are, nine years later, and he's on the Eurotrip podcast. And as I say, hopefully we'll get him back on again before Eurovision next year. Well, this is pretty much it for today. It's been an emergency podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. It was thrown together pretty quickly, pretty haphazardly. It may be a little bit rough around the edges, but... I love this podcast child that I appear to have produced and it's been brilliant to have you along for the ride. What a weird sentence, this podcast child. This is what happens when I'm just on my own and I'm just left to talk absolute nonsense without James telling me that that's exactly what I'm doing. Anyway, needless to say, James will be back on Wednesday because we will return with another episode of the Euro Trip. We'll have another news guest, possibly, possibly the Mayor of Turin. I'm not sure. I know that sounds ridiculous. It might be happening. So stay tuned to the Eurotrip next week and we might have the Mayor of Turin on. Not a sentence I thought I'd say. Also, we will have another of the Eurovision class of 2021. I've been a busy boy today. That was another interview I did today. And this afternoon, yeah, I caught up with one of the most loved, I would say, contestants of Rotterdam. So stay tuned for that next Wednesday. It's been brilliant to have you with us. Don't forget... And how could you forget? We say it all the time. At Eurotrip Podcast, Twitter, Instagram. And also we are on email as well. Hello at EurotripPodcast.com. And now James always says this bit, so I'm probably going to say it in the wrong order. But don't forget to leave us a review, rate us five star. And I have forgotten the other thing he says, but it's probably not that important. Anyway, I will see you on Wednesday. James will be back then too. And thank you very much for listening. So from me, goodbye. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.